Welcome back. It's Tuesday Travel. Moncon McGann is back, brimming with excitement as he proposes to take me on another journey of uh, discovery, albeit in my imagination. Moncon, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much, George. Where are we going? We're going back to India, which I think last time we were looking at Rajasthan and then maybe a few months before that we had looked at Darjeeling. So I just, and I think we looked at Ladakh up in the Himalayas at some point. I want to just drop us in, you know, every few months into different parts of India. This time, look, in, look at the capital, look at New Delhi. Why do you want to drop us in every few months into India? Because, you know the way, what about three weeks ago or a month ago, I tried to do Canada in one twenty minutes. It just <laughs> becomes too much. India is so rich, you know, it's overpowering. So an easy way of doing it is like we started with Darjeeling which is a, a tea station it just seemed like an easy introduction because the, the weather yeah. isn't too intense there's no cripples there's no leprous people on the streets um, so I just think now maybe we are ready to, to tackle New Delhi okay. particularly because I have a new angle on New Delhi alright yeah. so Delhi uh, it, the, this is the old Raj now this is British uh, 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 the history of Britain is mm-hmm. written large in India really exactly uh, so off you go it's like the city of gins 25 million people it's the equivalent of our Rome you know Europe's Rome Delhi every great empire that went through Asia the Mughals the Ottomans at some point you know, engaged and left their mark on on on, Ch- on India, on New Delhi particularly. And now you see this whole network of Mughal mausoleums, of dusty bazaars, of colonial era town planning, of the wonderful nineteenth century and no, mid early twentieth century British vision of of imposing colonialism on a piece of Indian wilderness. Um, now, it was always sort of overpowering and always the heat and the crowds and the stench and the spices was always sort of a bit exotic. I now There's now an easier way to engage with New Delhi and that is by using the brand new subway system, the metro system they have there, which is like sleek, it's new, it's super fast, it costs pittance. Basically, for 100 rupees, which is about one pound. Uh, I'm going to go from rupees to, to pounds because it's a lot easier. 100 rupees is one pound, 40 rupees is 40, se- 40 pence. Um, but uh, So for about one pound, you could do four days constantly travelling on, uh, on, the, on the metro in every direction. And when, if, if there's It's a dra- interesting that like India can put in a metro, but we can't. But that's another story. All and, right. And it's intriguing because, you know, the one thing you know about India, railway systems, you know, is crowds on the roof, people clamouring, holding on to the bars. So how did they cope? If that was the people's mindset about a train, how did they cope with introducing that into, in, into Delhi, uh, metro? So they have big signs, loud signs saying, do not, cl- do not travel on the roof of the metro. <laughs> and they also have... Women in saris do not use the escalators in case the beautiful, complicated silk gets caught and oh, yeah, causes course, them embarrassment. Yeah. And also, if you push a, a gate, a door, you know the way in the main trains in India they have no doors and no windows, so people just climb in the windows and climb in the doors. If you force a door open, you're liable to four years' imprisonment. So that's how they get. That's how they socially train a people into using All a modern right. urban okay. system. Okay. So. It is, this would work really well here in Ireland. You, I really like that. <laughs> you can imagine also, remember the, the, poor, the unfortunate space of bombing attacks that was in India a few years yeah. ago? And they realised, okay, we've just created the most glorious sign of modern India. Clearly the bombers are going to direct their way f- towards that first. So there's quite a lot of bag checking. There's men, the soldiers with guns pointing at you. It, you know, it, it's not the most relaxed metro in the world, but hopefully that'll be able to ease out. It's just in its first years and they do not want any accidents. But the only thing about going around the metro, yes. you're missing all the stuff above ground. No, what you're doing is you're getting a rest from the stuff occasionally. You're going up the overground, engaging with the world, and then on their first trip to New Delhi, people, God love them, they do need it. You know, in, in 
media can, can be very overpowering. And what I want them to do, the, the metro doesn't go everywhere. So at a few times I'm going to be saying, get off the metro and get onto a cycle ricochet or, show, or an auto ricochet, chuck chuck now, which might cost you 40 pence every time you do it. So if the, if the whole four days of the train is going to cost you um, one pound, every time you take an auto ricochet somewhere else it might cost you 40 cents. It's, it's not going to break your bank, literally. And the places are going to... So we're going to, are, are, I'm going to show you are going to blow your mind. The first place I want to start is at the Central Secretariat train station. The reason why is because that's the nearest station to Rajpat, which is what the 1931, what the British laid out as the new Delhi, the new city that was going to be their legacy after Shah Jahan and all the Mughal empires had created their cities in the past. And Rajpat is... It was called Kingsway long ago. It was used where in the Viceroy and where the king would ever uh, arrive in India he was going to take this trip up to the Viceregal Lodge, which is this palace bigger than Versailles. So it is now, clearly, it's now the President's uh, palace. But that's interesting because, of course, he was known as King Emperor, mm-hmm. uh, the King of England, as that's he right. was then. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the palace not only had to be fit for a king, but fit for an emperor. So it has, like, 340 rooms. There were 6,000 servants, 400 gardeners, 50 boys just to chase away the birds. It's like, to keep a building like that running even now, you go inside on a tour, you can get tours. It smells so musty and just decrepit and forgotten. It's, a, it's very difficult to keep a 340-room palace alive in the, in, the, in the sultry heat of the Delhi plains. But anyway, it's right at the top of Rajpath. Unfortunately, at the bottom is, and is India Gate, the wonderful war memorial arched gate, like their version of the Arc, the Triomphe. And in between it is the equivalent of Phoenix Park, big long plains of grass where people come and do their walking. You know, they're, they're like, like the Italians and they're doing their, their evening stroll. And so you'll have people selling ice cream and putting hen on your, fa- on, your, on your hands. And the reason why I want people to start there is because of those wide open spaces. Why did you just suddenly dismiss putting hen on your hands? What's that all about? Well, no, this is, so it's a, what women do, for tourists particularly, or but local women, artists will be ready to put lovely decorations oh, on I their see. hands. Oh, I with, with right. henna dye okay. and it's you know on their way on their day out when they're eating candy floss and licking, licking ice cream they like to, to the, like okay. braiding like in Africa if you go to a market people will braid your hair so nearby uh, the, the wonderful uh, Rastrapati Bhavan which is the President's Palace is the National Museum the Crafts Museum the Gallery of Modern Art so all of these are expansive they're big and there's no crowds so it's a lovely introduction to and you a great uh, inkling into colonial era grandess Next stop you're going to get on to is to Racecourse, uh, the Racecourse stop, because I want you to get out at, uh, I want you to go to the Gandhi Smithri Museum to get an amazing sense of Gandhiji, of Mahatma Gandhi. And of his, particularly this was where he was assassinated in 1948. So he spent the last 120 days of his life just in a quiet sort of humble lodgings here in, in, the, in, in the Smithri Museum. And then, in, you know, as we know, in 1948, he was, he was killed by a Hindu zealot because what he was trying to do was calm the... Um, trying to encourage intercultural connection and to calm the divide between the Muslims and the Hindus. Because uh, that ended in, after he died, of course, Mountbatten then uh, uh, divided it into India and Pakistan. Yeah, well, yeah no, but this is, no, this is 48. Yeah, so was that yeah, 49? Huh? Yeah, it was divided in 49, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Mountbatten. That's right, and even more explosions happened yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mm. So, but it, so there's a lovely museum inside which has his it, like it shows his rooms, his last rooms where he died with his with his spinning wheel and his walking stick and the little silver glasses that we all know from the movie, um, and some lovely 
dioramas, videos of different elements of his life in 1950s box uh, television screens. It's done in a really low-key way. And, you, you know, it doesn't take crowds. It's, it's a sort of an intimate museum. And you're going to find far bigger museums in Gujarat and places where his ashram was. But this is, because it's so near Delhi and it's on the metro, it's lovely as an introduction to see, and particularly it shows the impact he had on the world, you know, on, on Martin Luther King, etc. Now, important. so far, you haven't done what would be my thought mm-hmm. about Delhi, would be the crowds. I mean, you've mentioned the crowds, but yeah. We haven't really gone anywhere where there are crowds. No, I'm still want to ease you in because I, I just want it. So, okay, we now have this whole area of Rajpat is going to be a, re- a relaxation from the crowds. The museum is just a nice thing, an introduction to Gandhi, one of my heroes. The next place I want to go to <laughs> is Lodi Gardens. Um, again, ooh. So the next place I want to go to is Lodi Gardens. Uh, and again, it's just another e- place to ease away from the crowds. You, I'm going to give you so many crowds in a second that you're going to be freaked the hell out by. So just let me... The next stop is Jorberg, and it's the nearest stop to Lodi Gardens, which is where people go out to do that. Young boys are playing, practicing cricket. You know, yoga experts are com- doing the most complicated move on the grass. L- young couplers are canoodling in the bushes who would never be allowed if their parents were, were seeing them. And there's a load of, of butterflies and birds surrounded by um, these tombs to the Lodi emperors from the 15th century, these Lodi sultans. So again, it's another place of repose, but a little bit of culture because of the, the Lodi sultans. Now we go on. The next stop I'll go to is the Can Market. And here you're getting into a bit of, of sort of um, shopping area. Can Market is a big place for the expats and the wealthy Delhiites. is a big shopping centre. Uh, and there, you see, every year in Delhi, there's new areas of these out-of-town shopping centres that the middle classes can, can spend What do you want to go money. to a shopping centre for? Well, the main thing is if you go to Grover's, which is one of the classic places to buy yourself a suit. You know, within three days, you will have a perfectly handmade, hand-tailored suit in whatever material you want. It's costing more now. It used to cost about, you remember, 40 quid when people used to go to India and come back with their suit. Now about £100. Yeah, I tried this trick in Hong Kong and yeah. I discovered it was quite expensive. Oh. You know, theory is you go into the fella in Hong Kong in yeah. the morning and in the afternoon you have a suit. But in fact, if you do that, the suit probably won't last until the airport. <laughs> you really have to do the three-day thing exactly, and have a fitting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's still it's, quite expensive. Yeah, it's no longer as popular as, as it was. Yeah. But the lovely thing at, at Cannes Market is to go to Humayun's tomb. Humayun was this, uh, this sort of 16th century um, sultan. So, you know, the famous... Emperor who created uh, Agra, who created the Taj Mahal, and who created so many of the marvels of the Red Fort in Old Delhi was Shah Jahan. But a hundred years before that was um, was Humayun, and his tomb is as impressive uh, uh, as uh, the Taj. So let's say you're going just to Delhi and you don't have time to get down to Agra. Go to Humayun's tomb. You see this red brick, a ma- huge white dome building that looks so spectacular. So it's worth... Now, but hold a minute. I on. thought that Taj was where he put his wife, no? That's right. It was in memory of his wife who died yeah, early. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He was in love with her and he built the Taj. In honour of her, exactly. And what was your man's name? His, his name is Shah Jahan. But we're going to Hunium. Yeah, yeah, we're going to just because uh, it's in near Khan Market, and it's the most impressive and most beautiful probably building in Delhi. Uh, okay, this, like, pearly right. white onion dome, um, and beside it is is Nismuddin's temple, which is a temple of the the Sufis. So you'll have these wonderful groups, these Kowali singers will come in with harmoniums and tablas and start singing their Sufi songs and doing their Sufi dancing and waving their hands uh, in this sort of spirally way, bringing the prayers up to the skies. It's, it's really evocative um, if you come across it. And as I said, 
everything that I'm saying about these places, they're not invasive yet. They're, you, we haven't had leprous, you know, and gangrenous children sticking their hands into your into into, into your face. Are we going money. to get to leprous I'm afraid children? so, yeah, yeah. Are we? Yes. Oh, God. Because you're only, all of this is sort of pretty Delhi. You're not experiencing anything until you get into old Delhi, into Chadney Chowk, which is the old bazaar. So now we get off the train now, do we? No, you still, you can, there's a, now there's a tramway. The tram goes right under the Chadney Chowk, the whole central bazaar area, and you can get out. Um, and basically, this is another complicated world. This is like a bazaar stretching on forever. And every, like in every medieval market long ago, every little zone will be um, will be will specialize in one thing. So there'll be one whole bazaar for locks, another um, bazaar for wedding stationery, another for oily motor parts. There are some of the great ones are the Khari Bawali, which is the wholesale spice market, or the Dariba Kalan, which is the jewelry market, glinting jewelry for as far as you can see, and people are cramming around. Around you on every single side, or the Canary Bazaar, which is dazzling wedding regalia for as far as the eye to see. Now, you so if this is your first visit to Delhi, you probably need a guide from this. You're gonna because there's gonna be people crowding every side of you, and it's just pure. All they want is warmth and encouragement and this Asian spirit of joie de vivre. But it can be intimidating for first-time Indian um, visitors. And, you know, I'm conscious in my trips to India so far, I haven't given you the full-on India. This is this is when you're getting it. It's a medieval world of ancient bazaars, of dark, narrow alleyways and hand-pulled carts. It's India at its most extreme and its most saddening and, you know, its most sort of, its most awe-inspiring, right? Crippled now, goats, you're, mangy you're, dogs. This is the, the thing about about um, beggars who, who were, um, in many cases, crippled deliberately mm-hmm. by parents that they might earn money and so mm-hmm. on. But um, this, this has always been part of India's culture. Now, the, the upswing in the Indian economy mm-hmm. hasn't changed that, obviously. I mean, it's a very it's a very viable form of income for some people. You know, the hijra, who are the third gender, these were either hermaphrodites or gay people who had been kicked out of their village, or people who were on the margins who didn't identify as male or female. Which, which is you know, like in the news now in Ireland, in the Europe, as we are finally coming to terms with it. This has always been a part of Indian culture, the hijra people, and they had a vital role in society, and they still do. So it is considered if they showed their deformed genitalia to you that you have instant bad luck forever. So they are now hired um, to for by debt collectors. Even like the National State Telephone Company, when they wanted to uh, get debts from people, they would send Hijra people to the office and the Hijra people would come in singing their songs, dressed in the... These are, you know, very male-looking people dressed in long salaries, female women's salaries, with fake, with fake boobs and, and bras. And they come in and dance with all, their, with all their glinting bracelets and necklaces and threaten. They slowly begin to lift up their salaries as if they're going to show you their, their mutilated genitalia. And if you see them you might as well die. Like, it is as if, you know, all of the bad luck so is So you pay you. up. You pay up. They will also, you always ask them to come to weddings and to baptisms so that they don't put the evil eye on any child. So it is a, it is a very viable and important part of society. Uh, the, yeah. The, the. All right, listen, if I was going to India, mm-hmm. like, I'd have to eat because of my love of curries. I yeah. mean, what's your eating experience? Well, I mean... 
part of it is to get a sense of that whole traditional colonial India. Um, I mean, if you want, I you're not going to do this, but if you want real food, then try and go street eating in China. Yes, Chuck, this has always been recommended, yeah. but I don't think I'm a street eater. Well, so I no. mean, this, so Dili Ki Chat, which is all that local food, and some of the great bits are Chat Pandi, which is fried wafer loaded with paper, with, with potatoes and chickpea and yogurt and quite a lot of chilli, or Galcapas, which is fried hollowed out dough, which they then fill with chickpeas and, and spicy potatoes. And did you eat the street stuff? I it? always do, yeah. And yeah. lived. Yeah, you always do. No, it's not a problem. But if you want some of that colonial Britishness, go to somewhere like the Gymkhana Club, if, particularly if, one, if whatever club you're a member of done, has a reciprocal relationship. This is a hundred-year-old club People, you know, still Indian, well-dressed Indian men, all colonels, ex-colonels from the from the uh, from the army, won wonderful blazers with silver buttons, and they're they're drinking, you know, gins and tonics in the wonderfully sort of. Um uh, in, in the old traditional But of course, bar. the only way you get in is if you're a member or a guest of a member. Exactly, or, or a reciprocal you, relationship yeah, with your own bar. But otherwise, right in the centre of town, in Janpat, you've got the Imperial Hotel, which has always been the hotel for the great kings and emperors of the world to come in. And it is still as traditional. Wonderful teak furniture, oak-sided panelling, vast marble suede floors. And the restaurant there, the 1911 restaurant, is so British still. Still you afternoon presumably tea. You'd, 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 I'm sorry, but I don't want to lose you here. Indeed. You hate sport. But, I mean, would you not watch cricket in India? I would be worried. If you have the patience to, yeah, it's a lovely experience to go out and see because it's such, you know, there's nothing elitist about cricket yes, in India. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's completely different, like, from Lords, mm-hmm, you know. Exactly. And I think it would be a fantastic experience, yeah, yeah. you know. And it's like it's only about £3 for a ticket um, and you find the main area where the, 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 the famous cricket ground, cricket ground is out in what is called the Fifth City. There's either seven cities or 12 cities, depending on your counting, within Delhi, built over centuries. And the Feroz Shah Kotia uh, cricket ground, ground in the fifth, fifth, fifth city, built in the sixteenth or in the fourteenth century in, in thirteen fifty four. Um, there's also another lovely Sufi temple out there if if you are out on it. But it's lovely to spend a day just with the locals watching cricket, and immediately you're welcomed in. You know, as a local, there's no. Other but tourists. I went to Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. and, and which is was once part of India. It was connected. It fell off, you know, mm. and now it's separated by water. But like I found going to repetitive temples mm-hmm. very boring yeah, but that's why. But I'm temples you. aren't my kind of holiday. No, but I'm bringing you to the Sufi temples, if you noticed. And yeah, there you get lovely singing, chanting, and lovely dancing. Right, okay. Slightly better. Okay. I mean, okay. I steered away. On purpose, I steered away from all the big temples. Well, you see, I, I'd like the teeming millions, and I'd like the beggars, and I'd like all that, and I'd like to be, you know, going around and in my mind thinking I'm here with, you know, the Royal Munster Fusiliers mm-hmm. in 1908 or something. Yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the feeling, I, it really scared me when these stories in the last few years came about women being attacked, came out in the news. Because yeah. that was an experience I never had, I never saw in India. Like, it's just, Indians were so polite and so yes. deferential, respectful of visitors. And unless it's some new element that's coming, the rising middle class is something I don't understand. Like, I started going there 22 years ago, where there was no such thing as a middle class. Yeah. I went there 26 years ago, in fact. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, these people who are just watching MTV constantly, they, you know, they must have a different look on, outlook on the world. And that upsets me. Because the India I knew, you were entirely safe for everyone. I mean, the first boss I ever had, believe it or not, was a former, an Irish doctor mm. and, and uh, rugby interprovincial. Uh, and he was a doctor in the Indian Army, the old Indian mm. Army. And he used to tell fabulous stories, you know. But that, that India, 
part of it's gone and then part of it stayed. Like the British did a lot for India, like great train service, mm-hmm. great civil service, gave them the English language, which is terribly important for their, their rising economy now. Mm-hmm. The other thing they're doing um, is they're doing these great train rides. Mm-hmm. where you get on a five-star train mm-hmm. and you sleep on the train and you get three meals a day on the train and it goes around wherever it goes, you know. But but that would be pretty... Uh, well, what that's how I'd do it now if I was doing it. And only only about two or three weeks ago, the Indian Prime Minister, um, Narendra Modi, was here and he said something really interesting. I don't know, was he was he misquoted or was he not thinking? But he said he was... Der- first, the tourism between Ireland and India is growing by 14%, which is interesting. But he hinted that direct air... Services were coming soon by airlines of both countries. So, if some there's some movement between Aer Lingus and some Indian airline to have reciprocal air for airplanes, it'd be great because the thing, as you're saying, we always look at the link between India and Britain. The links between India and Ireland are very strong. Like Dan Breen being the, the Connacht key. Rangers, they yeah. were the guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I mean the, the Indian Constitution is based on the Irish Constitution. Yeah. The Indian flag. That is based on the Irish flag, just with a with a with a spinning wheel in the centre of it. Like Gandhi continually said that De Valera was a key influence on him, and particularly for Nehru, said it clearly, most clearly. Yeah, um, and we we forget all about that. Uh, okay, well, uh, the other things. Uh, I, I mean, I'd love to do it. Delhi, I would just give a huge amount uh, to go to Delhi, and there's so much else. It's Tuesday travel. Moncon will be back next week.